One of the values that Ephesians espouses is that of prayer. Paul ends the letter by asking the, the believers to be praying for him. But Paul has modeled this praying earlier in the letter. In chapters 1, there's a very extensive prayer. And then in chapter 3, there's another prayer. And these prayers are worth looking at in more detail. First of all, let's look at chapter 1. Paul says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. Well, then the content of that prayer then is given in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of, our, of the Father of all glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your heart having been enlightened, and so that you would know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? You see, there are three things that he particularly wants them to understand. The hope of their calling, the riches of his glory, and the surpassing greatness of his power. Now, two of those things are about the future, although they might begin now. The third one, though, has to do with the power that's unleashed in the gospel. Now, Paul explains a little bit more about that power in the verse that follows, in verse 20. He says, the, the, this, uh, this power is in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heaven, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. So Paul prays that believers would have a vision of the power that's made available to them. And the reason why it's made available is because God has raised Jesus from the dead and placed him in a position of superior rule, far above all other rule on heaven and earth. And not only in this age, but in the age to come. We're well connected as believers. And so Paul prays this kind of prayer. I'm always challenged by it because am I praying like this? Am I praying that people would catch a vision of the hope of the glory and of the power that God has for us. Well, this is how Paul is praying in chapter 1. Now, chapter 3 contains another prayer, and this one is worth reading in total. For starting in verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. He's in a, he's, he's in a very abject position, bowing, and this is, he's, he's submitting to God as king here from whom every family on heaven and earth derives its name, and, uh, and that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Now I'm just going to stop here, because what's going to happen is that Paul is praying for successive things to happen, and there's a cascading of purpose statements and, and, and in this prayer. So what that means is that once one thing is accomplished, it becomes the means for the next step to take place. And I'm going to ask you to pay attention to that. But let's stop and just think about this first one. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in the inner person. So again, we're back to this theme of power. Power in the inner person. And this comes by way of the Holy Spirit, and it occurs inside. Now this, once this takes place, 
then this leads to another dimension of the prayer, the, a, a further purpose, verse 17, in order that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And, and so uh, what happens then is we need power initially for Christ to come into our hearts. And I, the reason I, I think that we need that power is because our hearts and our minds, our lives are full of crud. And we need supernatural power to push those things out to allow Christ to take up residence inside of us. And this is a permanent, sacred residence. The verb that's used here is of a temple dwelling. And so earlier in the letter, Paul has talked about believers as being like a temple of God. And so here is Paul then saying that we need power in order that Christ could truly reside inside of our hearts. But this leads to another set of purposes. If we continue reading then at the end of verse 17, that you, being grounded and rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Well, that's the third tier of the purpose statements. So power in the inner person so that Christ can dwell inside of our hearts. And this then allows for us to truly know, along with all the saints, how much we are loved, the width, the depth, the, the height, and the length of Christ's love for us. Now this dimensionality is, is rather striking. Interpreters are puzzled by what Paul might mean by this. One line of thinking is, has, argues that Paul is drawing upon wisdom traditions which describe God's mystery by using such dimensionality. But I like, and, and that may be true here, and I think there's another alternative, though, that, that is complementary to that, and that is that this dimensionality corresponds to the altar dimensions, the bima seat dimensions mentioned in Ezekiel chapter, I, I believe it's chapter 40 through 42, where Ezekiel has a vision of, of the new temple that's going to be built. And the altar dimensions are these altar dimensions. And I think that when we connect that with the priestly sacrificial benefit that Christ gives us, that this is precisely where Christ shows his love for us, at the altar, which has taken up residence in our hearts. And so then, uh, at this point, then we, we, we arrive at the ultimate goal of, of the prayer, which is found in then verse, uh, at the end of verse 19, in order that you would be filled up with all the fullness of God. Well, I don't know about you, but at this point, I, I think that Paul has is, is reached a wonderful moment where all this praying leads to the point of being filled with God's presence in our lives. So power in the inner person allows Christ to dwell in us so that we would know the love of Christ in order that we would be filled with God's fullness. That is effective, powerful prayer.